right, welcome back to episode 21 of the Black Techies Podcast, where black culture meets the world of technology. I'm your host, David, and I'm joined once again by uh, my good friends, Herb and Dominique. Say hi to the, to the folks out there. What up? <laughs> El Wakanda. El Wakanda. So, uh, as, as some of y'all who follow us on the on our on our Facebook page, you know that we actually opened up this podcast to uh, to uh, the the public at large. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't, or I won't say we didn't hear anything back. But the uh, the people who were interested, they kind of their schedules couldn't couldn't align for this one. But uh, fortunately, that's not the only time. So next week, we, we uh, we're gonna record again and talk about uh, women in gaming. So if you're interested in that, hit up our Facebook page and let us know if you're interested uh, in what your time frame is. We, we normally record on Sundays, on Sunday nights, but let us know what your av- availability is and we'll try to accommodate that if you're really uh, interested in being on. So without further ado, though, today we're talking about esports and uh, particularly uh, esports and how HBCUs can kind of get in on that. Um, so... Uh, I know, I know. Herb has been chomping at the bit to talk about this. So, um, yes, sir. If you are, if you're interested, uh, go on our website, theblacktechies.com, and uh, our very own Herb actually wrote a nice little uh, blog post about esports and if they're the if esports are the next frontier of the HBCU experience. And so, uh, just to kind of get into that, uh, absolutely. Wait before before we go before we continue. So for those who are watching or watching, listening, and somehow you kind of stumbled upon this podcast and you don't know what esports are, so uh, basically esports are electronic sports. They're not you know play with a ball or anything like that. It's literally just playing competitive video games. Uh, so and it's it's kind of grown tremendously from from the beginning uh i think right now it's estimated that four four hundred and twenty seven million people worldwide uh watch esports like they they just sit there and watch people other people playing video games and so it's not some people think that's ridiculous but i mean it's it's gotten pretty pretty big whereas major uh uh major broadcast networks like espn and tbs or or actually no i think it's tnt uh, they're actually broadcast some of the competitions and some of the uh, some of the championships like uh, League of Legends, Dota, uh, Overwatch, Overwatch. So yeah, it's it's really big, and so uh, it's honestly it's kind of a, a, a part, maybe the future of sports. Uh, I think Herb mentioned that no concussions. <laughs> that well, I, honestly, uh, Ash, do, do, do you want to expand on that point? Yeah, man. I think. Um, I mean, if you, I mean, for those of us that are that are cable watchers, um, you're starting to see programming dedicated to esports on places like USA or ESPN of all places. Um, uh, just to. I mean, just the other day, you know, I was flipping through channels and, you know, just looking for something to just kind of edge out to. And, you know, I'm hit USA and there's a Street Fighter tour, you know, that's become a nightly series, you know, on USA networks. And this is becoming more of the norm than the exception in terms of the visibility that esports are getting and the fact that you know, it's providing not just a method for folks that love to play games to make money, but it's providing an avenue for kids that are included, that are interested in programming and technology and STEM to get into a multi-billion dollar global industry. Now, if you go to some places like South Korea, for example, or Japan, esports are national, national sports. They're about, they're, you know, they're about as national as Taekwondo is in Korea, or... Like their best athletes actually are like rock stars out there. Exactly. And um, quite frankly, we're starting to gain traction. You know, that sort of visibility is starting to gain traction here. And already has in certain sports like, you know, 
uh, I'm pretty sure anybody, anything that's been affiliated with the NFL or NBA. Yeah, the Madden, the Madden tournaments and stuff like everybody that. Everybody kind of knows, everybody who plays Madden knows who the Madden tournament dude, that went, the one that wins that tournament. You know what that guy looks like, and you would stop him in the mall if you saw him, you know? Exactly. And, you know, even now, um, we're starting to see, you know, colleges actually start to get in on action in a very big way by, you know, building their own esports programs. And when I was, you know, sat down and kind of brainstormed for the, thought, for the blog article um, earlier uh, last week, you know, that was something that, that immediately, you know, popped into mind. You know, you've got, you know, Cal Davis and, and you know, Massachusetts Institute of Technology and, and a number of other schools that have not only, you know, formed eSport, the equivalent of eSports, eSports athletic programs, but, you know, a great number of these schools have formed their own eSports equivalent of the NCAA. And it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very interesting thing to see that kind of development because, you know, these folks recruit just like, you know, a basketball coach might recruit or a football coach might recruit for talent. You know, same. You know, the same dynamics are there. Kids are, you know, getting recruited to esport programs in hopes of going pro, playing for teams, you know, or getting into the industry. Now, mind you, you know, they don't have the they don't have the inherent dangers of, you know, CTE <laughs> that comes with football, or or you know, somebody getting their getting their ACL snap on the court and being embarrassed, but you know, the competition there is still real. And I think about that and juxtapose to how behind we are in terms of HBCUs and, 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 you, and actually embracing this opportunity. Because, I mean, every one of us, you know, all of us on the panel went to HBCUs, all right? You know, all of us on the panel had that, you know, had that group of folks that used to camp out in the dorms and wreck shop on everything from Killer Instinct to Madden. Halo. Just Halo for yeah. us. Oh, Halo. Man. We shut, we shut, oh, man. We boy, shut, uh, we boy shut the Hall. floor of, of boy down. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we shut boy down. <laughs> yeah, like Halo, you know, it, was, it was out of... I'm, I'm, I'm still friends with... Uh, well, like on my friends list, on my on my, uh, my Xbox friends list. I'm, I'm still friends with Big John and some other folks that were like... They were, Big they John were, like, is my best friend. Me yeah. and Big John were the ones who ran Boyd Hall. Basically. I need y'all to know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, there's so many things, you know, so many times that I know Alabama State, you know, after band practice, that was, you know, if it wasn't hanging out in the student union, you know, you know, pulling off 60, 50 hit and 60 hit combos and killer instinct, you know, it was back in the room, you know, playing Call of Duty, you know, I mean, it was just, you know, it it's it's a social bonding thing also, you know, for a lot of kids, not just for, you know, HBCU students. But, you know, I, you know, in writing that article, I was just kind of just, you know, brainstorming and, and just, you know, uh, visualizing, you know, having the equivalent of a, of a video game Magic City Classic or a video game Southern Heritage Classic where, you know... You'd have With a the band of... in there, can you imagine having the band in there? <laughs> could you imagine? I mean, could you imagine how hype that would be? You know, to have, you know, Kratz to have versus a... the Hunnic. Yeah, right, versus a, versus you know, the Mighty Marching Hornets. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, to have a convention center filled with with folks that are that have come to witness the event and you know have our own touch to it. You know, I mean, anybody that's seen that's seen anything like the Tekken tour, or the Street Fighter tour, or you know, Inju the Injustice tournament, you know, where these play these venues are large venues that are sold out all the time, you know, and it, it's um it's a very interesting dynamic to even think about. You know, HBCUs embracing it, and you know, from a broader perspective, it's a it's a real opportunity, not necessarily just to, you know, you know, 
not just from the financial standpoint of bringing money to schools and attracting students, but building relationships, you know, with with a billion dollar industry, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, could you imagine, you know, you know, somebody, you know, let's say, for example, Alabama A&M having a, having a partnership with Blizzard, you know, man, uh, the money know. that could bring into the school or even not even necessarily like a developer. Like if you could say that Tennessee State University is going to carry cyber gear, they'll, the cyber gear would donate computers to the computer lab they would donate uh, peripherals you know all kinds of you know so now you have a you have an opportunity for uh, a, 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 a device maker a hardware maker to get a whole untapped the black market is generally untapped as far as technology goes they're very mainstream with phones and and like very big technological products but in general how many of your black friends got a you know, uh, like a real gadget kind of lifestyle. We don't really, you know what I mean? We're not really tech, like, enthusiasts. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you get us started at an early age. You get us started at ninth grade, all these refund checks. You know what I mean, man? I'm telling you, that that's a great di- Well, we got to figure it out, man. Yeah, and, I mean, it's a, you know, it's not that far away. It's just a matter of, you know, it's a matter of organization and, you know, getting people in the right places and, and you know, getting people to organize the right way. You know, um, I think the one thing that is a challenge, though, is the fact that, you know, um, our administrations, you know, are, are, are gone. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about it right now. I was like, how, who could you even talk to that would yeah. possibly even think about it? At a black right. school, and that's and I think that's the challenge. I think that's, you know, the challenge of not just you know introducing something like esports into you know the HBCU mainstream, but in terms of modernizing modernizing practices in general, whether that is you know student experiences from waiting in line to get tuition processed, you know to to cafeteria experiences, to, you know, a lot of the day-to-day operational things that, you know, a lot of folks, you know, have had complaints about in terms of, you know, for, you know, for some HBCU experiences. Like, there's a good friend of mine, um, a Dr. Ada Bassetti. Ada, if you're out there, I just gave you a nice plug. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're cool. Um, I... I plugged her brain. She's a, she's a, you know, she works, she's worked for the government. She's, you know, uh, she got her doctorate, you know, she got her uh, doctorate at the University of Georgia. Uh, but she, you know, did her undergrad at South Carolina State University. And we got to talking and, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, picked her brain, you know, for one of my blog posts. Um, you know, she vented. She was just like, man, look. You know, there's just so many things about that experience that left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and now, also, I mean, granted, that's not indicative of everybody's experience. And she's still, you know, there was still a lot of lot more pros than cons from our conversation. But the fact of the matter is, is that challenges like this, where we want to introduce things like, you know, cyber um, esports or or, you know, or really leaning toward technology, um, it's, it's going to be a challenge, you know, because the administrations that, that I've seen, and, and like I said, this is not indicative of every HBCU administration. There are, there are some schools that are way ahead of the curve. Um, Tennessee State, North Carolina A&T, you know, are two that immediately come to mind. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge to sell that to, and I hate to say it, but to you know some of the older folks that run these schools, that run you know these administrations, because it's just like, you know, it's not that those ideas are foreign. It's just that, you know, sometimes being steeped in tradition rules out everything, and that is that's the biggest challenge. Actually, you know, actually, let me um, on that on that point. What do you 
because I, I wonder if this is also a reason. Like, what do you say to people, you know, when they hear about esports that they, you know, they kind of dismiss it as, you know, it's not, they're, they're not real sports or they're not, you know, like, why would you, you know, why would you sit around and watch people just play video games? Like, that's not, you know, it's not something, it's not comparable to the NFL or, you know, any, any type of real quote unquote professional sport. And I, I wonder if that kind of mindset is what also hinders, you know, the advancement. Yeah, so I would, when, with that kind of conversation, I would just say, uh, I would just show people numbers. There are there are millionaires being created from this. There are people that are being able to, even if even the ones that don't necessarily go pro per se, you can use the, the money generated from this to improve computer labs, to improve facilities, to give people full-ride scholarships. Uh, you can generate, uh, you can create visibility for your school. Like, yes, there's so many there's no there's no downside to this you know what i mean that's like saying there's a downside to a to a to a football team at a school it only makes it only the only way it's a downside i guess is there's like a whole bunch of like me too stuff happening on the team uh but other like just assuming assuming good behavior there is no downside to having a group of people come to your school that wouldn't have come to your school or a group of people that would have come to your school and not been uh not been a, a somebody that brings money into your school, only people that pay their tuition. And you know what I mean? Like, it, there's, I just don't see a downside. I don't see one. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, just to kind of piggyback off of what Dominique just laid out, um, you know, folks that play esports, you know, and I think a lot of folks that, you know, think of esports, the first thing they think of is somebody that's just, you know, sitting around casually playing video games. You know, the the reality is is that these folks spend hours, weeks, months on end, you know, practicing strategies. This is, you know, the folks that are that play competitive esports for a living and get paid for it. That's their job. You know, that's that's a full time gig. You know. And they get paid for it. You know, they're very, I mean, it's a very analytical craft. And, you know, right, quite frankly, there isn't a downside because if you're not talented enough to play, you know, to play pro, you still got a gateway into the industry and not just into the gaming industry, but into computer sciences, into programming and development, all sorts of stuff. And I think uh, a lot of people. You know, and I think we, you know, we as, you know, as techies, we've kind of encountered this also where, you know, our fascination with technology, you know, gaming, you know, things that are nerd by nature, <laughs> you know, has kind of elicited, you know, the same type of response, you know, from certain folks that don't necessarily um, share the value of it. And I think sometimes that's, you know, you have to fight those perceptions, you know, by just saying, just laying out the facts, saying, hey, look, you know, you guys realize how much money could come into this school just by building a team, you know, just by, you know, you know, hosting a, a Madden tournament, you know, with, you know, a MEAC conference sponsored Madden tournament every year, you know, or, or a Madden conference, you know, split into the MEAC or the SWAC or the SIAC, you know, or the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. You know, I mean, there are so many possibilities, you know, in terms of not just generating revenue, you know, through that new frontier for schools, but attracting a whole new class of students and still, you know, having the resources to, you know, to keep HBCUs on mission and, and you know, having the the funding to do what HBCUs do, which is provide a means of education for, you know, uh, an entire demographic of folks that would ordinarily not have, you know, the best chance of doing of doing so. So it's, you know, that sort of thing is, you know, I mean, people here, you know, people we, I mean, folks here before. And you know that dissipates when you know that that kid that's that you deem nerdy is standing up on the stage, you know, with a hundred fifty thousand dollar check that he won <laughs> in a Madden tournament, you know, and 
you know, that all of all that, you know, misconception kind of goes away. But, you know, the same thing applies, you know, for schools, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, you and, you know, people have seen the coverage that uh, that's starting to be generated now from, you know, I mean, if you've seen League of Legends or Dota or Dota or any number of games, um, you know, it's a global phenomenon. You know, it's not just, okay, it's, you know, it's just a novelty in the States. You go South Korea, Japan, the Netherlands, Russia, Saudi Arabia, anywhere you can think of, you know, esports is, is pretty much there and it's established and it's not going anywhere. I like so the, why uh... not? No, go ahead. As like, why not take advantage of it? So I like the point you made uh, about how it can be kind of a gateway into like the computer sciences and programming and stuff like that. So um, my, my daughter likes to play Minecraft and, um, and Animal Jam and Rope. Well, she used to play Roblox. We, we, we stopped her from playing it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, she loves to play <laughs> Minecraft. And so, um, and so one day, I think we, we, were, we were at some restaurant. And I asked her, I was like, hey, would you would you be interested in helping me build a computer? She was like, yeah. And so, like, uh, just just on a whim, like, I pulled out, like, a uh, a napkin or something. And I, and I, I kind of drew out, like, the basic components of a computer. Like, I was like, you know, this is the CPU. This is the memory. And this is the hard drive. You know, I was trying to teach her. And she was genuinely interested. <laughs> and so, now that said, I don't think she's going to have, I don't think she's going to have a career in computer science, but uh, she wants to be a famous actress. <laughs> but uh, obviously, <laughs> she's 10, so that can obviously, that can change. But, uh, but I guess the point is that, you know, because she has experience as a, as, you know, playing video games on the computer, now she has a, an, a, an outlet for any, um, any curiosity as to how a computer works and i'm honestly i'm kind of ashamed to say that she's a better pc gamer than me like i i cannot use a mouse and keyboard to save my life like give me a controller like i'm good <laughs> but she is way better at mouse and keyboard than i am uh <laughs> but uh so but i mean yeah I, and that's yeah yeah go ahead yeah and see just the, just that in that example that's a skill that's a skill set you know Having a hand-eye coordination, you know, to you know to play specific types of games with mouse and keyboard, or even with a console, you know, that is not something that comes easily, particularly for, or you know, particularly for the more sophisticated games that we're seeing now. You know, I mean, in you know, all of us have experienced it playing, you know, playing Halo or playing Call of Duty or any number of first-person shooters where you know, you got that one dude that you've been running around, the, you know, you're playing a free fall and you're you're running around the map trying to plug this dude and he's just smoking everybody, you know, and you're trying to figure out whether or not he's cheating, whether or not, you know, he's hacked the, he's hacked the game, you know, but no, that dude is just really, really good, you know, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a skill set. Yeah, that brings back memories you know, from, uh, from Boyd yeah. Hall, like, especially... John, like, so there's some of these people. It's like you have to. You, you when when you look at the replay, it's like, are they are they really like aiming like that? Like... And, you know, I mean, and and we, I mean, we all, I mean, we've all experienced the rage quit. You know, <laughs> and when you know, at, at some point in time during our gaming experience, when we played online against the against the against an opponent that has just been so far ahead of us, you know, from a skill perspective, it's just like, all right, man, what, what's the point, <laughs> you know, but, you know, that in itself, that's a, you know, that's a skill set, you know, and it's, I mean, me, myself, I'm a, I'm a fighting game aficionado, you know, I love, I love first person shooters, but I love fighting games, you know, Street Fighter, Killer Instinct, one and two, Tekken, love Tekken, you know, uh, you know, Soul Edge, Soul Blade, Soul Caliber. You know, and he take it back. <laughs> those are, you know, those are those are games that are um, that are extremely popular. You know, on esports circuits. 
you know, around the world because they're mano y mano. You know, they're one, you know, one on one. You know, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily a team against a team or you're not playing capture the flag or, or a number of things, even though those things are popular within themselves. Um, but, you know, combat sports kind of echoes that. You know, I mean, fighting games, it's like if you've ever watched, you know, hit YouTube or Twitch and you've watched the Tekken tour, you know, those folks are, are legit. And there are quite a number of black female gamers, you know, on that tour for Tekken. Yo, you know, that blew my mind when I saw that, that clip on your article. That blew yeah. my mind. That's not what you typically think of when you think of female gamer. Yeah, you know, and that's a good, I mean, and that's kind of what, that's kind of a really good segue into what we're trying to get at. Because, you know, there's a lot of interest for that out there. You know, and it's not just black female gamers. It's female gamers, it's gamers of all demographics that are looking for places where that talent can be utilized and that can lead into other careers. And that's something that, um, you know, the advent of esports has really jump-started, you know, opportunities in that direction at certain schools. Um, like I said, it's really, you know, you know, we're all HBCU friendly on this podcast. And, you know, being able to see you know, somebody step up to the plate, you know, and and start their own, you know, start their own uh, league. Even if it's, you know, this is one instance where, you know, having our own thing, you know, might actually be very beneficial in terms of generating revenue. It's not, you know, you're not beholden to recruiting practices or recruiting budgets. Um, and the playing field is level, you know, you, you're not isolating yourself, you know, like you would be, you know, playing division two football or, uh, you know, yeah, that's true. It doesn't, there's uh, no, there's no amount of money. You can't buy your way into greatness like you can with like right. an Alabama or something like that. <laughs> is that right. Shade? You know, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like, if you, if you're a prestigious program, then the best athletes are going to go to your program. But, there's only, you know, there's only, there's a finite number of best players in football, and there's a, 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 just a, just, just so many good, and, 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 and esports is more balanced in a way that, you know, you can't, it doesn't matter how hard I work, it doesn't matter how much money I spend, it doesn't matter how much I want it, I can't be LeBron James in one-on-one basketball. I, there's, just a, in, there's, an, in, there's a disparity just off the, just physically, we are not equal. But in esports, there's no such thing as even if you have better reflexes than me, the game itself is is limited to how how effective. You know what I mean? You can use your reflexes, but I can use my wits. You know what I mean? Like that. There's a there's just a, a fairness about esports that I love because there's no there's no team that if there was a way to buy into greatness, then there would be more cons- like there would be more consistent dynasties. And every year, the great the greats change. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, man, I think it's a, you know, I would love to be able to, you know, you know, work something like that into our regular HBCU experience, like, you know, going to a classic weekend and, and having an esports tournament or competition be part of that. Yeah, that's, a, what, that's what I was thinking, like, uh, like uh, a homecoming, like maybe one of the homecoming activities, especially like, you know, the schools with the, with the larger homecomings, like, uh, like like A and T or yeah Howard yeah, like the the schools that have like the the larger ones that tend to pull people who don't even go to the school, <laughs> like uh, like have like a special event like just for you know esports have a have a, have a Madden tournament. That's that I mean I, I say Madden because Madden tends tends to be the most the most popular across the black community at least from what I've seen. Um, yeah. Madden or two K. Yeah 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 exactly yeah so some kind of sports tournament. Uh, uh, to to kind of foster that that esports con, con, uh, competition and maybe maybe if it gets popular enough with the larger schools then it can kind of influence either the smaller schools or even just kind of spread to the to the uh, you know to the big whiz to to get them to maybe consider having a a, a university sanctioned esports team. Yeah, 
or even or even offering it as uh, classes. Uh, I know some schools actually offer esports as classes where you can learn about, uh, I guess, the history and uh, I don't know. But <laughs> um, <laughs> no idea what these classes are about. I just know there's some classes, guys. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, no, no. I'm just saying that that uh, that hopefully, like, if some of the larger schools can take advantage of it, then maybe it can kind of spread. And something as popular as a homecoming, uh, A and T, for example, could that could definitely spread to other places. Because then people will go to go to A and T's homecoming, and then they'll be like, "Oh man, that was dope." Uh, I, you know, I wanted. You know, does does TSU have that? You know, does does FAMU have that? Does so? And then if they don't have it. People can start asking, you know, hey, you know, A and T had this, had this, uh, this this Madden tournament. Y'all got a Madden tournament? Uh, that could be a major pull and revenue <laughs> for the university. Uh, actually, now that I think about that, but uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's what I was saying. Well, I think um, I think that's a very good point. You know, um, you know, the trickle down effect, quote unquote, would actually work here, <laughs> as opposed to other places. But um, I think also, you know, the way our, you know, the HBCU experience and culture kind of works is that, you know, it's spontaneous, you know, meaning that, you know, you could go to some, you can go to a large school like Tennessee State or, or A&T or, or, you know, any number of state, state land grants or schools or, you know, or large privates. Uh, and you can generate the same experience by going to a Dillard or going to, you know, an Xavier or going to a Tougaloo, you know. But I think also at the same time is that, you know, the way to really um, encourage organic growth of that in our, you know, within the HBCU spectrum, you know, is just to approach students and approach, you know, uh, approach students and folks that have the vision for it you know like if if i went out tomorrow and i got you know and i got you know razor to come out to you know Bowie state or howard university and say hey look we'll invest five hundred thousand dollars a million dollars to start an esports program do you think Bowie state or howard or any number of schools wouldn't jump at that exactly they, exactly you know so it's you know, you just gotta have the people in the positions to even put that in anybody's ear. You know, that that's right. we we gotta have, we gotta get more people in these boardrooms. We gotta get people. You know what I mean? Like we gotta get people to talk to the administrations. Yeah, and I mean, in some cases, it's you know when you can't rely on the administration, sometimes you have to turn to the students because the students have good ideas. When we're only a good example again is um. You know, the coding academy, that coding partnership that Howard has with Google now, that wasn't just spearheaded by Howard University, you know, Howard University as administrators. You know, that idea, you know, came from a lot of interaction with, you know, students that, you know, were interacting with, you know, with internships and things of that nature. And... You know, somebody approached their, you know, their administrations like, hey, can we, why don't we do a partnership? You know, sometimes those things happen like that, you know. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, getting, like you said, getting the right people in the right places. And sometimes, you know, the right people don't necessarily mean, doesn't necessarily mean the administration. You know, it means it could be an alumni. It could be somebody reaching out you know, and kind of giving back to the school by networking and, and, you know, making inroads to those industries and, and inviting them out to see what the HBCU experience is about and to invest in it. You know, sometimes, I mean, because sometimes, you know, our administrations, you know, when it comes to, you know, newer things like that, they don't, um, what's the right word that I'm looking for? They're not proactive when it comes to that for a lot of things that they don't deem um, traditional. And, you know, esports is one of those things where I've, you know, I've really kind of um, seen how that plays out. Now, 
those of you that know me uh, know that uh, I recently uh, began uh, a new information technology gig for the United Negro College Fund. Shout out to them, by the way. Mm-hmm. Those guys are awesome. Um, you see a lot of the same types of, um, you see the same dichotomy there, where you've got a lot of really, really impassioned and and enthusiastic young folks that are that believe in the mission of HBCUs and and believe in the mission of what UNCF has to offer, but at the same time, the organization is facing challenges because, you know, that same dedication to tradition, you know, doesn't necessarily allow for innovation, or doesn't necessarily allow, you know, much for. Um, kind of thinking outside of the box in terms of, uh, you know, f- uh, doing new, new, th- new ways of fundraising or, you know, uh, marketing to a new demographic of potential students. And um, I think as an organization, the UNCF is, is mature, is, you know, evolving, you know, and they're, you know, I think they're doing a great job of doing it, but that's kind of the microcosm of the challenges that, HBCUs in general face when it comes to, you know, things like esports or you know the newer technologies or, um, you know, even renewable technologies, things that are that are going to be twenty second and twenty third century economies eventually. So, it's um, it's a very interesting dynamic that we kind of find ourselves in as people that support HBCUs. Whether we're fans or alumni or, you know, someplace in between, you know, so, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the, the the interesting thing where it comes to this, you know, this discussion about esports because, you know, as gamers, you know, we love games, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about games mm-hmm. on a gaming podcast, <laughs> so. But at the same time, you know, we want to be able to share that passion, you know, along with our passion for, you know, the culture that surrounds HBCUs. Because, quite frankly, there's nothing like it on the planet, on a, uh, nothing else like it on the face of the planet. No, it ain't. Nothing. I wonder if we can get some of the, uh, uh, <laughs> either, either some of the black celebrities that graduated from an, from an HBCU or just black celebrities, period, who are into gaming. Uh, like, for, for example, um, uh, oh, my God, what is his name? Um, not the Old Spice guy. He was on the Old Spice. Oh, uh, Terry Crews. There we go. Terry uh, Crews. Yeah, Terry yeah. Crews. He was, uh, so he's like, he's a big PC gamer. Uh, I didn't even realize that until, like, maybe a few years Isn't ago. Isn't he the voice of Doomhammer in Overwatch? No. <laughs> he wanted to. People were trying to uh, petition for him to be the be the voice of, of Doomfist. But, uh, no, he's not. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but like, I mean, I don't, I don't think Terry Crews went to an HBCU, but uh, I know he's a big PC gamer, so I wonder if, like, him or other, uh, other black celebrities could try to push this at an HBCU. In fact, I, I think there are, didn't Jay-Z invest in a, in an eSport, or somebody invested in an eSports team? I forgot who it was. Uh, but, I don't know, I, I feel like that maybe, at least on the, on the uh, on the celebrity front, maybe we can kind of get that that recognition from there. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe that's that might be asking too much, but I feel like if uh, I feel like if you're if you're black, if you're rich, if a lot of people know about you, then and especially if you went to an HBCU, uh, it might it might be worth investing. In, in an esports program at, at an HBCU, because I mean, like like Herb said, I mean, it's nothing like the experience of an HBCU. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I said you know on, on my blog post and my YouTube video about you know welcome to the Black Techies. I said that you know we're not against pre- predominantly white institutions and all that. We're not. I promise you, we're not. But it's just something about going into an just going going into the uh, the boombox classic, going into a again a Southern University versus Jackson State, and just seeing. The bands go at it. See the fans just, you know, cheer each other on, and just see that that rivalry. And you don't see that. You don't see that with 
with a uh, you don't see that in the SEC, you don't see that in the ACC, you don't you don't see that uh, that level of of uh, environment in, in at white school. So uh, more importantly, we don't we don't ever young brothers and sisters we have to live a whole white life. So it's it's you know we have to live a life where we're um, the black guy in a white office, and we have to be the the the, the well spoken black guy. We have to deal with all the microaggressions. When you go to a black school, you get to see black people that are uh, good for nothing. You get to see black people that are good for everything. You get to see athletic black people. You get to see nerdy black people. You get to see just well, they, you get to you learn that. I'm not different. I'm not like weird. I got there's a there's a dude. I, I grew up and they call me a nerd or whatever. But I get to go to this school and there's a whole slew of us and we all cool and we all gonna make money when we get older and we realize you know what I mean. We're all we, we go to parties like you know you you learn uh, so much about yourself uh, and that you don't necessarily. I, I would I, I didn't get to go to a PWI to get to uh, compare the difference, but just based on dear white people, it seems like you have to fight for your <laughs> For blackness at at an at any other at a, at a PWI, you know what I mean? In a way that you don't have to at TSU. Your blackness is embraced. Your blackness is just the norm. It's good to be the default sometimes. We don't ever really get to be the default, but you're the default at a at a at a, at a HBCU. Well, I think um, you know, I think that's a very good point. Um, you know, and I mean, I have folks and friends that that follow the podcast that you know are on the opposite side of the spectrum in terms of their college experiences where, you know, I got some, got some buddies of mine that I went to high school with that, you know, ended up going to university of Maryland and enjoying their experience there. But, you know, I think at the same time is that, uh, the one unique thing about the HBCU experience is that, you know, even though it's kind of designed for us, you know, just about anybody can partake in and feel that sense of family and camaraderie, you know, when you come to a school because, you know, regardless of whether you're black or not, you know, the part of the HBCU mission is inclusiveness. And, you know, that's something that you never really, um, you know, that's something that's, that's embraced pretty much every school that I've been to that I've had a chance to experience, you know, the culture on campus or, you know, going to a homecoming or going to, you know, or, uh, a classic game or, or even just a regular game on during football or basketball season. And you have folks that aren't used to that experience that go and they're like, wow, I've never experienced something like that. And I had a blast. You know, I had a buddy of mine that, that went to school at Penn State and it, of course, Penn State being in the Big Ten, they talk of Penn State a lot. It's like, oh, there's nothing like Happy Valley. There's nothing like X, Y, and Z. You know, he went to a he went to a greatest you know greatest homecoming ever at A and T, and was blown away. And it was just like, man, you know, did I he never... call it the greatest homecoming ever? Or are you calling it the greatest homecoming ever? Oh, and folks at A and T call it the greatest homecoming ever. But well, that's they... <laughs> I just want to, because that just means they never went to a TSU homecoming. I was just, I was just clarifying. <laughs> have you, you been? Know, have you been to an A and T homecoming? See? They uh, they not. they might have a uh, a legit. I won't say they have the best, but they uh, it's pretty. As the, as the cool kids say these days, they say it's lit over there. So <laughs> yeah, but I but I think you know. I think that's the unique aspect of the of you know the HBCU experience is that you know it's a you know you could be uh, I mean you could be white you could be black you could be Hispanic you can be Indian you could be any demographic and be welcomed you know and you'd not have to worry about whether or not you're you know whether or not you're not the default or not. You know, and it's it's a very um, you know it's a very cool thing to see, um, and I think esports has the potential to offer that sort of medium, another medium, you know, for people to kind of segue into what the HBCU experience is all about, because 
ultimately, when you're on the sticks and you're playing somebody, you're not caring whether or not, you know, that person in front of you is Korean or Chinese or black or white. You know, depending on the game you're playing, you're trying to win. <laughs> you know, and you're trying to have fun while doing it. And I think that's a very that's a very cool aspect of esports that um, that could translate very well to you know being part of the HBCU sphere of experience of experiences rather. Also, um, just being real, it's too much money out here for us to not have our hands in none of it. Right, right. I mean, we you know we complain about people not giving back to the HBCU, but like this is like one way you can like implicitly give back to the HBCU if if you support the uh I, I mean like for example you know if if you go to homecoming every year you're directly supporting the university well all right if you're in esports why not support an esports team at your at your university and therefore supporting your supporting and financially and all that so yeah yeah and i think i think the other thing too is that um you even have community colleges out there that have their own esports teams I know Northern Virginia Community College has theirs. Um, George Mason has their own esports program, which, you know, they're like a feeder and they have a partnership. Um, if I'm not mistaken, American University and Georgetown also have esports teams that partner with, you know, NVCC and, and some others in the area. Um, you know, there I mean, California is chock full of, you know, junior and community colleges that have programs that feed into places like USC and UCLA and Cal Berkeley and Stanford and you name it. You know, so it's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for partnerships, not just in terms of, you know, esports and, and companies that embrace it or that are part of the industry, but with other institutions, you know. I mean, could you imagine having? Could you imagine a, a science and technology cooperative, you know, between you know MEAC schools and SWAC schools per conference, and and esports kind of being a byproduct of it? You know, could you imagine research research consortium, you know, based in STEM and computer computer technology? You know, those are the types of segues that you know that you know and avenues that esports could open up. In terms of not just you know the industry itself, but how our institutions really think about technology and how they embrace technology and leverage it to further the HBCU mission and attract you know a new generation of HBCU students. It's a you know it's a very exciting thing when you really think about it. You know it's just a matter of having people that have the, that share a vision for it. You know, you know what's crazy about it. Um, like, we we talk about how this is this can be like the great equalizer. I mean, like realistically, if if Tennessee State's football team played Ohio State or Alabama, you know, we would get destroyed. But if you know, if uh, if a TSU esports team were to go against an an Alabama esports team, eh, you know, <laughs> it might. <laughs> You know, I think it's it's a much better. I mean, one, it's not limited to like, uh, like physical strength or anything like that. So it's not, uh, it's not like, uh, there would be some inherent differences or whatever. So, uh, this this would absolutely wouldn't be one of those times where it would, uh, it wouldn't even it, it wouldn't even be limited to gender. I mean, you could have co-ed teams, <laughs> and it would be just as you know you. Just, just as uh, just as effective. So, um, this I, f I feel like if something can get started, like this is one of those times I wish I wish uh, <laughs> I wish we had the capital to kind of like do something to kind of get get I'll something tell you started. Because I'm telling this could be profitable even for the person that starts it. Not that you would start it for for profiteering reasons, but this could be your. Uh, you could be a the coach of a esports team at an HBCU. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, there are a lot of avenues to open. You know, there's just, you know, it's hard to. See, I mean, it's just hard to fathom the type of opportunity that's there, that could very well, you know, just, you know, just open up another plane. You know, for lack of a better word, you know, another frontier for 
you know, our schools in general. And I think um, that was kind of what I was trying to get at in terms of the blog article. Uh, and you know, for those of you got, for those of you that were able to check out the blog article, thank you. Um, that really means a whole lot to us collectively and to myself in terms of you know our our content. So that you know, I've gotten a couple of compliments on it already. I, you know, and and that means a lot. So. Um, it was a really know, good article. Everybody should read it. You know, um, and like I said, I think um, it's very, uh, it's a very interesting place where we find ourselves at as institutions and as people just watching this phenomenon just grow and grow and grow. You know, it's, you know, like I said, it's the very, it's a very unique opportunity. You know, and. Uh, the one thing that we that we have, you know, is the opportunity to make it work. You know, so that is, uh, you know, that's that's one thing that we're really looking forward to. Well, on that on that note, let me uh, before we uh, close out, let me let me ask you all. So. I know, I know, Herb. You said you're you're in the fighting games. So if you <laughs> if you were able to uh, to compete in any fighting game tournament, which one would you like? If you had the time to just sit there and practice, and like money was no object, you know, you, you didn't have to worry about it. And you actually had the time to sit and practice and get and, you know get good, quote unquote. Like, what would you like? What which one would you prefer to uh, to compete at? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I would. It would probably be a toss-up. It would toss-up. It would be a toss-up between the um, between the Tekken Tour, the Tekken uh, the Tekken Tour uh, for Tekken Seven that's currently going on, and uh, and uh, Injustice Two and Killer Instinct. Um, Uh, I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, Injustice Two. I mean, there's a big following for all three. And the fact of the matter is, is that it's some pretty exciting stuff to watch. You know, Street Fighter is, um, you know, the tours of Street Fighter are really, really good. But um, if um, you're really, I mean, if you're not really, they have a they have a core audience that is, um, you know, you have to really be engaged. They don't. Um, they don't necessarily attract a lot of casual Street Fighter folks, although they should because of the popularity of the game. The Tekken games that I've seen in terms of the tournaments, in terms of, you know, the following from a lot of people, it's it's amazing, you know. And um, like I said, outside, I mean, as far as, you know, I mean, if any, anybody who's played fighting games knows knows what Tekken is. You know, Tekken has been around for a long time, and the latest iterations of Tekken with, you know, Tekken 7, um, I think there's still a circuit going on for Tekken Tag Team Tournament, which is, you know, to me, one of the best fighting games I've ever played. You know, Tekken Tag Team Tournament was, you know, that nah, was... Nah, 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 best fighting game, Super Smash Brothers. I'm not a <laughs> Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> Dominique said, "Don't add him." <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I like Smash. I like the Smash Brothers types of fighting games, but I think um, just because Power Stone. Power Stone was nice. Power Stone, and for those folks that don't, you know, remember Power Stone. Power Stone was uh, Dreamcast. Yes. Oh yeah. Second, you know, and that was one of their. Um, that was actually one of their flagship titles. Um, you know, now, now that we're actually talking about Dreamcast, you know, Dreamcast arguably had one of the best football game football games that I've ever played. Hey, it really you know, was. Yeah, that the, both the NFL and the college versions of that of of their football games were were awesome. And you know, as a caveat to that, by the way, uh, NCAA, you guys can kick rocks. For taking away college football. Yeah, man. Hey, like I played that read game. Did article about the dudes that are keeping it alive? There's dudes. There's a group of dudes that don't even really play the game anymore, but just out of their love of college football, 
they yeah, they uh, do mods. Record, they 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 uh create the roster. They all the way like every single program, all 253 programs. They create the players. They give them stats based on empirical data. Like it's that's dude, there's one dude talking about his wife. Like she she leaves for work and she's like, "Are you still playing that game?" Like it's three o'clock in the morning. He hasn't gone to sleep yet because they just spend all day just creating. Yeah. I think the shame of it is is that the game, the NCAA games that are still out there all the way up to, I think the last year was 2014, I believe. Um, I did, no, I take that back. That was 2012, excuse me. Um, the, you know, the actual online components that were so fun to play, um, you know, particularly on PlayStation, they, you know, they kind of, you know, it was kind of, they kind of did away with it. And it was just like, wow, man, for real? You know, that was like some of the best, you know, that was some of the best gameplay there. You know, if you're, you know, particularly if you're on PlayStation 3, you know, doing those iterations of, of NCAA uh, football, um, you know, me being a basketball fan, I like, I love the same thing for the 2K, like 2K uh, NCAA basketball was, in my opinion, it was, it was better than the 2K NBA games. I mean, just in terms of the depth you know, and the detail that they um, that they put into the recruiting process, that they put into you know the actual nuances of the game, um, those you know those things the the that and you know that two K series was just really 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 great. It was a great series. Two K five is one of the best football games of all time. Yeah, it's yeah. a shame that EA got the exclusive license to the NFL and just hey, knocking out competition. Exclusivity killed everything, man. And then the, I mean, with the as far as the college thing goes, I get being upset, but they just they should have just paid the players, man. But they that's the the problem is they don't want to they can't open up that Pandora's box because if you pay them for NCAA, then our argument would be, well, why don't you pay them for everything? And they're not trying to pay. It's too many. It's too many uh black too many black people that will make money. Off of, <laughs> off of them paying college athletics. So, you know. All right. Well, Dominic, I shift the question to you. What uh, what game would you, if you had, if you had the time and 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 to and money, what 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 esport would you try to try to compete in? Uh, uh, League of Legends for sure. I dream about being good enough to compete in that every day when I play. I'm not good enough <laughs> to compete in it, but it would be amazing if I was. Uh, I'm in Elo Hell, Bronze Life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've been playing the game for five years, and I, I didn't got out of bronze one time. It's not my fault. Everybody I play with is trash, but they tell you that you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to just, you get better, and then blah, 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 blah. But no. Um, uh, League of Legends, and if not League of Legends, then. Uh, I mean, back in the day, Halo for sure. Like back in my heyday, Halo. You know, when yeah. I was in college, but I just I fell off pretty tough. So right now, yeah, League of Legends. Well, right. I think all I think also before we go any further, I I had to add a you know a one A to that you know to that question. I would probably, I would probably you know be a FIFA guy also because I'm. You know, I'm a passionate FIFA, you know, FIFA player in terms of soccer. So, I mean, I love the. I mean, I got hooked on the game when I was in military, and it. I never, you know, I never looked back. <laughs> you know, so every iteration of FIFA that has come out, you know, I've gotten a chance to play. So. So and uh, speaking of FIFA, shout out to the Africans. I mean, the French who won the who won the World <laughs> <Yeah>. Cup. <laughs> hey, we not good enough for them ever until it's time for the yeah. Olympics or World Cup, man. Yeah, even though you guys play for the colonizers, man, Mbappe is going to be around for a long time. <laughs> you know, I mean that. I mean, watching that dude run up, run up the, you know, run up that side of the field and just like. You know, just leave people in the dust to get the balls was just incredible to watch the entire tournament. Dave, which sport would you play? Oh uh, yeah, so which so, game would you play? So, like, I like I like different kinds of games, like action games, especially like I play God of War and Near Automata and all that. But my bread and butter is is first person shooters. So most likely. I probably play. I probably try to try to break into Call of Duty. Like I don't know. I know people. You know, it's 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 popular to hate on Call of Duty now, especially with their 
lack of a single player uh, uh, storyline in, in Black Ops 4. But uh, I played Call yeah, of Duty for I'm a long time. And I was like, I, I like I actually like Call of Duty for the story. That's the that's the irony. But um, yeah, like I feel like that's probably the best one. I would say Halo, but I was never as good at I was never as good at Halo as I was at Call of Duty. Probably because I'm more accurate in Call of Duty because I can aim down the sights. <laughs> so I'm more accurate uh, in, uh, in in Call of Duty. So yeah, that's that's probably what I would do. Well, I think um, just to kind of comment on that too. Um, there are folks that still play Half Life. Yeah, and... true. Uh, um, uh, CS:GO. Um, uh, Counter Strike. Counter Strike, yeah. Counter -Strike yeah. is Counter -Strike. the biggest. <laughs> dude, yo, there's there's a yeah. whole like Counter Strike economy where people are like betting like the house or like bidding the house on like custom, you know, paint jobs for their weapons. Like, ooh. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, brother like me, you know, me and a couple of friends, particularly when I used to work at the Pentagon. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a while ago. You know, we had our own we had our own private servers where we, you know, after you know after shifts over with and everybody's rolled out, you know, we had the help desk, and uh, you know we 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 running our own you know our own marathons, man, throwing penguins at each other. So it's like, <laughs> I like I like to see how uh, how our, where our taxpayer money is going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, it was um I mean I grew I mean that was. You know, literally one of my favorite first-person shooters. It still is. You know, I mean, particularly now with the modern community the way it is. Um, you know, Call of Duty would probably be my, be my second. Um, Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark. <laughs> uh, look, see, y'all, no, yeah, see, people say they're you good. Won't. People say they're good at at uh, Perfect Dark and GoldenEye, but then they haven't played me, so. <laughs> I don't know, like, it, like I, I was that, I was good, that guy. Are you really good at a game with one thumbstick? That's what I want to know. <laughs> that's see, that, yeah. that, that no, that that just says that just means that you're even better because like you, we don't have the modern controls like we do now. Like I tried playing, I tried uh, playing with the midget man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is perfect dart, not a uh, not golden eye. Well, I mean, they're basically like the same same game, game, yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, no, I would regularly add like a bunch of bots to the uh, to the to the level and put them on the highest difficulty. Like if you can beat them, you're pretty good at the game because <laughs> like they had some they they oh, literally yeah, they had cheap. perfect aim. Like they literally had perfect aim. So if you could beat them, I mean you were <laughs> so and I could regularly beat them. So you know not to not to brag or anything, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. But uh, before before we uh before we close out. If uh, listeners uh, who have been listening for a while, you know that we recently started doing a, uh, we tried to highlight uh, or sp put a spotlight on, on Black Techie. So I wanted to spotlight uh, my friend Darnell Cohen, or Cowan, Cohen. Uh, I've actually known him for a while. He, he was my freshman brother at, uh, at, at TSU. Yeah, okay. We came up together uh, in the band. So uh, he, just, uh, he just announced that he's going to be the... Active Thermal Control Systems Subsystem Manager for the International Space Station. He's going to be working at NASA. Uh, so, uh, congratulations, Darnell. Hope you do well. Hey, so, uh, that's 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 a pretty big that's a pretty big deal to, to be able to work at NASA. Um, so, yeah, congrats Getting to you. Getting figures uh, out here. Hey, hey, get it done. Darnell, get it Darnell, done. aka Young Taraji, <laughs> aka. <laughs> Yeah, that's my shout out. That's my shout out. Did you all have any uh any other people you wanted to shout out? Um, yeah, like I said earlier, I you know I made mention you know reference to uh, Doctor Ada Bassetti. Um, cool sister. You know, I ran you know I ran into her uh, working at the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, uh, in ironically in IT, and this is before her doctor status. Um, Although this is not necessarily tech, but, you know, this sister has really been all over the world, you know, uh, you know, helping do a job that is very, very, very important. So can't really talk about too much of it, too much of it but, you know, know that she's, you know, gotten to where she's gotten to. Is she getting the P-tape on Trump? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, wow. If she's not getting the P tape, 
I don't know what else. I don't know what else is more important out here in these streets. I'm just, <laughs> you know, but but yeah, I just wanted to give her a shout out because man, you know, making doctor, you know, in anything is it's a lot of hard work, and she's done it in an industry where black women in general, you know, have a lot to work against. And um, a lot of, you know, just uh, kind of observing that from afar, you know, just that's a, just a very impressive thing. And sometimes you just need to get shouted out, you know, for just being impressive. So congratulations, Dr. Bassetti. You know, don't get on me too bad for giving you a plug on the podcast. But, yeah, I know it's coming. But that's all right. Better <laughs> it. All right, I think that uh, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, don't forget if you want to uh, see more content, feel free to go to our website at theblacktechies.com. Uh, feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com/theblacktechies, and of course, as always, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app or on iTunes or on everything. So, or really, if you're on iTunes, you're kind of on everything because everything pulls from iTunes. So, uh, but yeah, so. On that note, and in light of uh, recent events today regarding a certain orange-colored person in Helsinki, um, <laughs> did you, would you like to end, end the podcast, Dominique? Yeah, man. I want everybody to go forth and be great. Y'all, y'all, everybody go live your best life this week. And uh, everybody just sleep soundly knowing that every day you wake up, we're closer and closer to uh, Orange Caesar not being our president anymore. Y'all have a blessed week. Especially after today. Like, I, I, all right, all right. I will, we'll talk about that later. All right, y'all. <laughs> all right, I'll just say, you know, just to kind of leave, yeah, I mean, despite the actions of Orange Pill Il Duce today, uh, <laughs> you know, um, we got a lot to look forward to. Thank you guys for following the podcast and supporting us. You know, for all of us, it means a lot to, to see the people from, you know, various places listening to us, and not just places within the United States either. So, um, shout out to, to to Africa and Denmark and all these other places, man. I don't know what y'all yeah. listening. Hey, I, shout I out, shout it. out to that one person in Saudi Arabia. Keep listening. Hey, <laughs> hopefully you to see. Listen, if you want to fly us out, to give you a personal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know you got that oil money. Holla at your boy. Uh, I'll come out for for like just like a hundred thousand, like no no, you're like this is nothing, it's nothing. <laughs> hey man, I ain't greedy, man. <laughs> yeah, stupid. So oh, uh, also those uh those couple of people who are listening in, in Mountain View, California, like if you just so happen to work at Google or you know or Symantec or Mozilla, just you know, you know, yeah, ho- holla at your boy. Just saying, you know, we we'll be happy to interview you. You know, yeah. just just let us know. <laughs> yeah, man, y'all, y'all ain't y'all ain't fooling us, fam. Call us. <laughs> ain't no houses in Mountview. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Well, until until next podcast. Hell, what kind of? Hell, what kind of? Really, 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 I bet you they got an esports league. I'm just saying. <laughs> and they're the best. They're the best. <laughs>